Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. Monsignor Essif is a priest of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He has served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Teresa of Calcutta. He continues to offer direction and retreats for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Monsignor Essif encountered St. Padre Pio, who would become a spiritual father to him. He has lived in areas around the world, serving in the Pontifical Missions, a Catholic organization established by Pope St. John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially to the poor. He continues to serve as a retreat leader and director to bishops, priests, and sisters, seminarians, and other religious leaders. Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. What's on my mind is such a such a humble and beautiful saint, the little flower of Jesus, Saint Therese. The story of the little flower is so powerful in itself. It's so contra what our modern day sees as successful. First, like she she goes to a Carmelite convent. And, you know, people of our day say, well, she buried her talents, she buried her life. And even the idea of prayer being contributory to the world and its happiness. The little flower spent eight years in a Carmelite convent. Very short life. She died 24. Even when she was in the convent, the sisters hardly knew anything about her life of holiness. She had kept a journal, her autobiography. She was asked and, in fact, ordered to write it by her superior. The wisdom of that book, I know, and I was in the seminary in the 40s and the 50s, her story of a soul is one of the most popular spiritual books. And it's so simple. She is the the saint of the ordinary. She transforms every act of her life into an act of love. And also a desire to unite her prayer with the sacrifice of her love. She became a victim of love for souls. Her whole desire during those eight years was to save souls for God through prayer, through sacrifice, through love. And so the hiddenness of her life, in fact, when she died, her sisters, who didn't know the depth of her love and her sanctity, said, what are we going to say about her? She has done nothing extraordinary. Nothing that would catch the attention of anyone. But she take something like the rattling of the beads, which drove her crazy. She was so highly sensitive. And some nun would rub the beads up against the bench 
in back of her. And it would cause her like chalk on a blackboard. And that's what we would do with her system. She used that as an act of sacrificial love and transformed it and took it as an occasion and an opportunity to offer a sacrifice to God. The crankiest and the most rejecting of all the sisters, she would see them and embrace their rejections. I was just recently with a with a priest. His face would crack if he would smile. He was so unhappy. It's amazing. And just to be around him, it was like pus oozed from his system of unhappiness. He wanted to know everybody to know just how unhappy he was. And he would want to make everybody as unhappy as he was. And even to stand next to him, you know, what an opportunity that would be that St. Therese would say, why don't, why don't you just give him love and offer him the love so that he could have an opportunity to love? You know, just being around a person who's angry, upset all the time. So all of us have these opportunities in our day. And the scripture in the Mass that Jesus taught us, the church is teaching us on her feast. The disciples came to Jesus with the question, who is the greatest, most important in the kingdom of God? He called over a little child and stood him in their midst and said, I assure you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Whoever makes himself lowly, becoming like this child, is the greatest and most important in the kingdom of God and the heavenly reign. The simplicity and the humility of a child. Now, I believe in order for us to see child who just simply looks at you with simple love. And so, therefore, I really believe what Jesus is looking at is a little, little child in our society. Take today and see where in your neighborhood, in your family, look at a child. My cousin, Christine, a baby. She was so sweet, Olivia. Just her eyes, her every smile, everything that would come into that child's face would be some of the most beautiful things that I could remember. I think that's the kind of child this was that our Lord meant in the gospel. There's a prayer. I was with my, my cousin, and he had been making a novena to know what job he should take. And his favorite saint, and she is a favorite saint of so many, was the little flower. He would say this prayer to God through the intercession of St. Teresa. And she claimed, those who are devotees of St. Teresa claim, that they receive a rose or would have a rose as a sign that their prayer would be answered. 
and he made a novena, and uh, he got a, not only a rose, but his wife had given him this 30 roses. She didn't know that he was doing this, saying these prayers. He got an offer for a job that was absolutely unable to, to refuse. It was so powerful a sign right after he had received this bouquet of roses. And it was a sign to him that he should change his job. So many that I've talked to, the beautiful example of a little flower of humility, simplicity, childlikeness, and the prayer. And my mother's middle name was Cecilia Teresa Essef. It's on her tombstone. She had this tremendous devotion. In fact, she gave a middle, the middle name to my sister Marlene. My, Marlene is Marlene Therese and also May Ann Therese. So, and she had great devotion to the little flower. And she herself was a third order Carmelite. And she had a, a way about her. The, my mother's prayer was very powerful for all of us. All of us would, my cousins and so many people in our family, she never was out there. She, she wasn't someone who got into the mothers in school or in the altar and rosary in the parish or outside the family. She had five children. When I was a little boy, I would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I would see my mother on her knees. I thought every mother did this. When she would take us for a walk, she would stop in the church and she would make the Stations of the Cross. And we would kind of be there with her, but we just took for granted. That's what mom did. All her life, her entire life, her rosary, her prayers, and she had this power about her not really being noticed. But in our family, I would say, everyone who would refer to my mother would say she was like the holiest person they had ever met at her death. That's what she was known for. Prayer, humility, and childlikeness. She had a, she had a simplicity about her. And I, I saw this characteristic in some. When a person has this hiddenness, this characteristic of uh, trusting in the power of prayer, although the little flower never left her caramel and died at the age of 24, she has been known all over the Catholic world as the patroness of the missions. She is, ex she is the saint of Vietnam, never left the Carmel, and here and died at 24, and is now known worldwide. She's one of the most popular saints of the Catholic Church. When I was with Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and I would be with her, one of the places that Mother would stop and ask prayers would be at a Carmelite convent. And she herself had the name Therese, Teresa. 
And she was very, very devoted to the little flower herself. And so this very humble and this very childlike, simple St. Teresa of Calcutta was a devotee and known the little flower and saw in her an image that she would like to imitate. Between my own mother and Mother Teresa, I would offer to, especially women, I think sometimes a woman is caught up in the ways of the world and everyone really wants to be attractive, to draw attention, but to whom? And if you want to draw attention to yourself, that kind of self-absorption is what the world gives as someone who is beautiful. What is attractiveness? It's really virtue and beauty. When someone looks at you, where does your beauty lie? And, and especially within the depths of your own heart. You know, are men looking at you, are they, are they looking at your body parts, whatever that might be, or are they looking at you? What is beauty? What is attractiveness? This woman, St. Therese, holds up not only for people like my mother and Mother Teresa, but I believe for each and every one of the women that I would talk to. We'll return to Building the Kingdom of Love with Monsignor John Essif in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essif, Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or even on Audible, as well as on so many other worldwide platforms? And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts, dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. An easy way to help Discerning Hearts is to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our Instagram and Facebook pages are vibrant spaces where you can engage with daily inspirational quotes from the saints, streaming DH broadcast encounters, and updates about our latest offerings. On our YouTube channel, you'll find a treasure trove of video podcasts, interviews, guided meditations and prayers, and reflections from renowned spiritual leaders. These resources are carefully curated to provide guidance, wisdom, and insights that can help you discern life's challenges with a sense of purpose and peace. By subscribing, following, and engaging with Discerning Hearts on these platforms, you're not only enriching your own spiritual journey, but also helping to spread awareness of our mission. Every like, share, and comment helps us reach more people who are seeking meaningful growth and connection. So, please take a moment to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, and then share with a friend. 
Join the Discerning Hearts community and embark on a transformative spiritual journey alongside fellow seekers. Your engagement not only benefits you, but also contributes to the growth and impact of Discerning Hearts. We now return to Building the Kingdom of Love with Monsignor John Nessa. The beauty of your soul. There's an old saying that the eyes reflect the beauty that's in your heart and in your soul. This woman's soul was filled with a fire of love for people, for souls, for prayer, for God. She offers for you, I believe, for everyone, especially the women that I would speak to today in modern society, the magnificent example of the beauty of a heart, maintaining childlike innocence with a tremendous burning love for others. That combination is what the little flower offers for all of us, for me as a man, but I think for you, as how we can live our lives in this world as daughters and sons of God. And so I offer to you also the possibility of your turning what many have been, all of us have needs in our life, to ask and petition on the Feast of the Little Flower, some need you might have, what college, thinking about going to and being accepted in? What kind of job is my cousin at a marvelous answer to his prayer? A health issue, maybe for someone you really care for? I met my cousin Jimmy at this wedding, and he had the most magnificent story to tell me, and so did his mother, Pauline, and his dad, Ed. Jimmy Saad was in an accident. He was coming from Florida. They were driving and they were coming back to Pennsylvania. In a van, there were seven children, a set of grandparents, grandmother and grandfather, Jimmy and his wife. And a tractor trailer hit them and one died, the grandfather the grandmother lived. Jimmy had given up his seat with the belt on it to the child and he was thrown from the car. His wife was injured and he was thrown out onto the pavement. And his story was that as he lay there, it's someone that he just did, was walking by, a stranger came. And as he looked up, he was conscious. He, he thought his arm was going to be severed. The stranger took his shirt and cut it in a way that made a tourniquet that stopped the bleeding in his arm. It was very, very badly bleeding. And he, and he, but he really couldn't see the person's face. And the person with a lot of strong authority kept saying to him, I will say a prayer with you, whatever prayer you want to say. I will pray with you. What prayer do you want to say? 
and he and he, and, he, and the person also said, "Don't look at your arm. I'll tend to it." And so Jim said, "Okay, let's say the Our Father." And he said the Our Father with him, and he was saying the Hail Mary, and the stranger disappeared. Just at that time, the ambulance was arriving. When he got to the hospital, they asked him after he came to after his arm was repaired and he was on the road to health, who put that tourniquet on you? He said, I don't know, it was somebody walking by. He said, uh, that tourniquet was put in such a way that whoever did it, it was exactly at the point. If you didn't have that on you, you would have bled to death. But it was at the perfect point. So he evidently knew what he was doing. And he said, I don't know who he was. He looked, Jimmy looked at me and said, I'm convinced it was my angel. The feast of the guardian angel, the feast of the little flower. The angels and the saints have so much to do with our lives. Prayer, which is such a powerful example. When I saw the look on Jimmy's face, Jimmy is a young guy, and I don't think he had as much awareness of the power of prayer and the power of prayer to influence and change a person's life as he had when that Our Father and Hail Mary was said by what seemed to be a perfect stranger, whom he then came to identify as his guardian angel. I offer these two feast days to you today the little flower, and the feast of your guardian angel, how important it is in each of our lives. If you're in a nursing home, wherever you are in the world, there is a powerful example of prayer, God's love, hiddenness, and intercessory power that has such an influence in all our lives. St. Therese, little flower of Jesus, pray for us. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love entrusts me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule and guide. Amen. St. Therese, she has touched so many people's lives. For someone who has never experienced that gift of a rose or that type of intercession, these stories seem so unbelievable. But yet for those who have experienced it, you can't explain it. Yeah. It's our contact with the spirit world. It's our contact with the saints and the angels. And they're meant to be our protectors and our assistants here in this life. And this contact is meant to be ordinary for those of us who have faith. It's difficult sometimes because it's either a lack of trust in that or a fear. There's just a, a fear that will ultimately be let down, don't you think? I think, uh, I think there's a word I use today of the little flower, and that's hiddenness. You know, I, I think we have this kind of uh, attitude about wanting to be seen, wanting to be noticed. Here I am. It's, a, it's an egocentricity to believe that I grow 
in your mind and your eyes and your presence. It's a, it's a kind of a pride. I want to be noticed. I want to be seen. And I want to get credit for everything I do. And so the, the world rotates, no matter what I do, around me. And I think that that's the deeper atmosphere in which people are born into and grow into and have their marriages into and their children and their, their age even. I see, you know, older people. They're really the key to success is hiddenness. It's to, to love and, and to give and to serve. It's really the key. And that's what Jesus was saying. In heaven, the heaven in the heavenly reign, is that, that attitude of the child. The child is not conscious of itself. The child is conscious of you. And you're out there. And what, he, what that child sees. It's, uh, and that's why the child is so attractive. When you look at a child, the child is looking at you. When I look at some people, I see in their eyes that they're looking at themselves. I wonder what he thinks of me. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if in all of that causes us to go more and more inside ourselves. But the person who's really seeing as the child sees, sees what's there. That's why the child is so open. And so beautiful. Just say that prayer. St. Therese, pray for us. From the Liturgy of the Hours of the Roman Rite, from the Office of Readings, from the Autobiography of St. Therese of the Child Jesus. Since my longing for martyrdom was powerful and unsettling, I turned to the epistles of St. Paul in the hope of finally finding an answer. By chance, the 12th and 13th chapters of the first epistle to the Corinthians caught my attention. And in the first section I read that not everyone can be an apostle, prophet, or teacher. That the church is composed of a variety of members. And that the eye cannot be the hand. Even with such an answer revealed before me, I was not satisfied and did not find peace. I persevered in the reading and did not let my mind wander until I found this encouraging theme. Set your desires on the greater gifts and I will show you the way which surpasses all others. For the Apostle insists that the greater gifts are nothing at all without love, and that this same love is surely the best path leading directly to God. At length I had found peace of mind. When I had looked upon the mystical body of the Church, I recognized myself in none of the members which St. Paul described, and what is more, I desired to distinguish myself more favorably within the whole body. Love appeared to me to be the hinge for my vocation. Indeed, I knew that the Church had a body composed of various members, but in this body the necessary and more noble member was not lacking. I knew that the Church had a heart, and that such a heart appeared to be aflame with love. I knew that one love drove the members of the Church to action, that if this love were extinguished, the Apostles would have proclaimed the Gospel no longer. The martyrs would have shed their blood no more. I saw and realized that love sets off the bounds of all vocations, that love is everything, and that the same love embraces every time and every place. In one word, that love is everlasting. Then, nearly ecstatic with the supreme joy in my soul, I proclaimed, O oh Jesus, my love, at last I have found my calling, my call 
is love. Certainly I have found my place in the church, and you gave me that very place, my God. In the heart of the church, my mother, I will be love, and thus I will be all things, as my desire finds its direction. O God, who open your kingdom to those who are humble and to little ones, lead us to follow trustingly in the way of St. Therese, so that through her intercession we may see your eternal glory revealed through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. God bless. You've been listening to Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer rock-solid and authentic spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com. And join us next time for Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essef.